to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast here. The discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions. And speaking of perception, there's just one more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto's a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. Exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com Wherever podcasts are found. Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, buddy, friend? I am well. Excellent. It's always good to talk and in the state of new york hi this is mike 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 how are you doing i'm lucky you're lucky he's lucky lucky you have to say that again mike you broke on the first one <laughs> i said i'm lucky lucky he's lucky lucky well, that'll have to do, right, Eric? No, uh, yeah, uh, he might need medical attention, but... <laughs> no, he might. And, I think you and, nailed it there. Oh, and, Damn and, it, and Barry, Commonwealth. I love you. <laughs> Here's a and, hug, and, in the Commonwealth. <laughs> and in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going, my friend? It's going well. Excellent. I'm excellent. lucky, too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, hey, we're we're both moonwalkers, so I guess that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> I have that's no idea what's joke. happening. That's me an inside neither. joke. Uh, <laughs> me, me and Barrett are on a project. I guess we we work with a bunch of dorks, so they have, they yes. have, they have the name. Our group names so, are yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we I was in the Black Panthers uh, last year, and then now I'm on Moonwalkers and Wait, the Big you Bang. Were in Black Panthers. <laughs> yes, yes, yep, yep. You don't yeah, know how we identify. Somebody named the team that. Oh, yeah, that's that was the team name. There, they, oh, did we have? Didn't we have like a Star Wars one too? I think. Oh yeah, there are a lot of. There's Supernova Nerds! and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Supernova. We got oh, SpaceX is another one we have right now. Space, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I forget what SpaceX represents, but yeah. I yeah. want to get a name that that the acronym turns into shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just come up with some really cool name that it, that they, its acronym they, is shit. They did that on the Simpsons. Actually, I think I, they did that on the Simpsons. I, I they, think had, they, be, they had Springfield Heights Institute of Technology. How have we not even started yet, and we're already off the rails? Man, oh, oh, look, we did it. 
didn't didn't Elon Elon Musk do one of those things too? Well, I forget what it was, but but Barrett, we, there should be one that is an anagram for bent over and, and yeah, <laughs> bent over would be good enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. If, for folks who don't know what we're talking about, me and Barrett work work for the same company and we're on the same project. So anyway, um, so let's get uh, into uh, who we are for folks who have stumbled upon us and haven't bailed yet because of our silliness uh we are part of the dark discussions news network which is www.darkdiscussions.com our podcast here is about to hit 11 years old in march uh and uh me mike and eric have been there from the beginning barrett has joined us recently about a year and two years ago maybe and um basically we talk about horror films sci-fi fantasy thrillers techno thrillers mysteries grindhouse art house cult films drive-in films midnight movies and the like we basically try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence even though prior to this conversations we weren't talking to i was gonna say are we sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that's who we are. Folks can email us at darkdiscussions at aol.com or just go to darkdiscussions.com and click on the contact us link on the menu at the top of the, every screen where you will get a box that pops up and you can just type in the email right there. Uh, similar to if you were contacting a customer support at some various company. But Eric, what else can people find on darkdiscussions.com? Uh, they can find on every page a link to our Patreon account. Patreon is a service that allows you to contribute financially to your online artists. Producing this show is not free. We have to pay for things like web hosts, web hosting and servers and computer equipment and renting movies and so on and so forth. So if you would like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. And every dime is appreciated. Indeed, indeed. So uh, uh, we would appreciate that. And speaking of Patreon, uh, tonight's topic will be a Patreon pick from one of our listeners, uh, specifically Holly Masiak, who uh, chose this film. And uh, we are finally doing the episode because it is a perfect time to do it due to the unfortunate passing uh, at the age of 74, uh, the musician Meatloaf, who actually um, had a supporting role in this film that we're going to discuss tonight um but uh, if, if uh we have any news or any other stuff we'll bring all that up after this episode uh what we've been watching whatnot if we do have time uh but i think uh, we're probably ready to get into our patreon pick tonight and uh eric uh, what are we going to discuss tonight tonight we're going to be discussing the cult classic, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Two young, ordinary, healthy kids. Oh, Brad, wasn't it wonderful? Left Denton that late November evening. We must have taken the wrong fork a few miles back. Didn't we pass a castle back down the road a few miles? Maybe they have a telephone I could use. On a nice house. Hello. It was a night out they were going to remember for a very long time.
you guys know how to Madison? Uh, that's right. Uh, the cult classic Rocky Horror Picture Show, a 1975 film uh, directed by Jim Sharman and uh, based on a screenplay by Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman and the Rocky Horror Show by Richard O'Brien. Uh, the film stars Tim Curry, Sue Sarandon, among others, uh, including Meatloaf, as we discussed. And uh, the film is, uh, as Eric said, a cult classic. It was a failure at the box office, but uh, to make money, Fox Pictures, 20th Century Fox Pictures decided, oh, let's try midnight movies. And it, it worked. Um, and it became a cult classic that way. Uh, it also has a, a thing that is well known to many audiences of the show, which is, uh, interaction by the audience members with the movie as they're watching the film. And, uh, we'll discuss probably some of that as well as we get into it. But, uh, before we do, uh, I guess we can get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So, uh, let's start with you, Mike. Uh, I don't know when I first heard about the film, but a long time ago, I was working in a movie theater and we, and I was in high school um, and they had a late night showing that I worked uh, as an usher. And yeah, that was kind of my first exposure to it. And I couldn't actually watch the film, but it was mostly crowd control. (laughs) So I don't really know. uh, I was more on the outside. I didn't, get in the theater very often uh but yeah so i i it was just a very weird experience but now uh, you know a year or two later i went to college and they did some uh some screenings there and that's where i kind of got first exposed to it um and i really was just honestly confused by the movie i think the first time maybe even the first couple of times i saw it part of it because it's a musical and so much of the the story and the plot is being sung. And I was either watching it under very shitty conditions with where it was hard to make out some of the sung dialogue. Uh, and, or, you know, when I was the usher in the theater and you have a crowd going nuts, which is often the case, but uh, I, you know, I've really grown to, to love the film a lot. I do love a lot of the music and a lot of the performances. Uh, some of the, the story is a little silly, uh, but that's kind of the point, right? This is this is camp, as as camp is was originally defined. I think the the term has been bastardized a bit over the years, but where it's something that is done intentional, you know, the 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 over the archness of it. It's like a John Waters film. This is not bad by accident. It's 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 over the top on purpose, and so I really like it. I understand. I can. I don't ha- understand how, like the whole shadow casting evolves, but I certainly understand why people love it so much. All right, sounds good. Uh, Barrett, what do you got? Um, I enjoyed the movie. I can't say that it's my favorite movie ever. Um, I really love Tim Curry's performance. I think he's the standout in this, and I really enjoy the music a lot. The story, um, yeah, I know it's meant to be, you know, tongue-in-cheek and everything, but it just doesn't wholly work for me. All right, is that all you got? Uh, I saw it many decades ago. <laughs> I don't remember. So long ago. Uh, all right. Sounds good. Um, yes. For me, uh, I remember the day I saw the film it, as if it was like yesterday. Uh, it was like 27 years ago or something. Um, my mother used to work at the University of Lowell, or which is now called University of Massachusetts at Lowell. 
which is the school that co-host Abe graduated from. Um, she worked there, so she used to always get all the information about um, uh, what was going on on the campus. And she actually, um, uh, me and her, uh, she was my best friend. And um, so we used to go to f- numerous films on campus that they showed for free for the students. So they had The Little Mermaid. That's where I saw The Little Mermaid for the first time. And Beauty and the Beast, the original animation film. That's the first time I saw that film was at University of Lowell with a bunch of college students and my mom. And then there was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I had heard about that film, didn't know anything about it. But it was supposed to be a, a horror comedy or something, and uh, she suggested it. So we went together, and we saw it with a bunch of college students. And uh, I was completely surprised what I saw on the theater screen. And um, I was also completely surprised about what was happening in the audience, because it, people were interacting with the movie. Uh, I'm trying to picture Phil the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it's making me laugh. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, put it this way: I was 24 at the time, and there was a lot of uh, young uh, college women from the ages of 18 to 22 dressed in lingerie with their butt cheeks and boobs hanging out. So I was, I was pretty happy. So it wasn't. <laughs> believe me, it, no matter what was going to happen, I was like, oh yeah, this is good. So um, I do remember the, the scene, especially where people were throwing rice and stuff. But my favorite scene at the time when I watched it and my mother and me looked at each other like, this is crazy, but it's pretty cool was when the, the screen is spinning near the end of the film and these two college kids run up to the screen and they start putting their hands on the screens as if they're spinning, as if they're spinning the, the thing. <laughs> so it's like, Oh, that's pretty awesome. That is cool. So, um, I do remember having a fine time, uh, obviously, because the movie's funny. Plus, it was with my mother, who was my best friend, and we love talking film. Uh, but it, nothing about it really, you know. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's stupid. Uh, so uh, when we decided to do this episode, I was probably similar to I think everybody. Well, at least Barrett and and, and Eric, which is oh no, we have to do this episode. Um, <laughs> but so I watched the film two nights ago, and uh, yeah. I, I, I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, I I was like, oh, smoke, this film is much better than I, origi- I originally thought. And and just watching the film as what it was um, while I'm watching it alone, I was like, this is actually a pretty good film. Uh, it's fun. And I do remember buying the, the CD about 20 years ago because that Time Warp song is, is a pretty awesome song. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love this film. Um, I may actually now go out and buy the special edition with all the bonuses on Blu-ray and whatever because I enjoyed myself. I, I was surprised. I thought I was going to hate it or just go, Ugh. but no, no, it was a great film. I loved it. I'm, I think right there with you, Mike. Uh, let's go with you, Eric. Yeah, well, when I was growing up, there was a small two-screen movie theater within walking distance of my house. And it was also right across the street from the Ponderosa restaurant at which I was employed as a teenager. And, uh, yeah, they used to do the uh, midnight showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show on the weekend. So, um, at one point, Ponderosa hired somebody uh, as a waiter, uh, and he was a young gay black man. And this was in the late 80s, and people weren't quite as open as they are now. Um, So he was out, but he wasn't out all the time. Um, 
So he would be very prim and proper with his with his customers uh, at the restaurant. He made great tips. Uh, and then after the restaurant closed, you know, on Saturday night, um, he would come. <laughs> he, he would disappear for a few minutes and then come marching out of the bathroom in lingerie um, to go across the street and do Rocky Horror. So he got a girl that I had a crush on to entice me to go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Because I don't know if they did this to you, Phil, um, but at the theater that they did in my town, um, they would trick you uh, into they would have everybody who'd been there before stand up and whoever was sitting was considered a virgin. Uh, and then that would get uh, your cherry pop. Yep. Get your cherry pop. So that that night, Marcus uh, decided to have a little fun with me and I got to find out what it's like to have a gay black man gyrate their crotch in your face. Um so, yeah, like Mike was saying, it was a little difficult to keep track of what was going on in a movie with that going on and people throwing rice and squirting squirt guns and all, all that stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. going on. <laughs> so, my first experience Toast was toilet paper. It was very confusing. Um, yeah, but I just watched this the other night with uh, Dan and Susie, and uh, – we were watching it, and of course, we're kind of doing this as the as the meatloaf tribute. But uh, Tim Curry is is the reason to watch this movie. Um, and, and we were watching it the other night, and uh, when Tim Curry starts his song "Sweet Transvestite," like it was almost involuntary. It just it just burst out of mouth. I just said, "Fuck, Tim Curry can." Sing. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's got a phenomenal voice. Um, so, yeah, this isn't something I'd probably watch on a regular basis, uh, but it is unique. And I think it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it before. If for no other reason than to see Tim Curry sing in lingerie. Um, I knew I know several women who say that Tim Curry looks better in lingerie than they do. Um, so, yeah. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is one of a kind. It's worth checking out at least once. All right. So um, it appears that uh, everybody had good thoughts about the film. Mike, you were going to say something? Oh, yeah, Phil, you do know that the that you're showing the the people in the lingerie, those weren't women, right? That's Well, there were plenty of men in lingerie, too, that were looking like Tim Curry. You know, so we walk into the theater before the film even starts. But there was as many women with uh, boobs, big boobs, and, and nice asses as well. So it, it was both. It was both. So I was a little confused, but I was staring at all the women that were basically <laughs> willing to show everything off as if they were at the beach. So I was I was good, Mike. I was good. So yeah, yeah. Well, and, I and, think you know we hear we hear the not, phrase. Not the, not the wrong cosplaying, cosplaying. No, not the wrong with doing it. no, but no. no. Uh, and, and I think first of all, this is a film that kind of defines cult classic. Um, it may not be the first cult classic, but it's like the epitome of cult classic. Yeah. You know, you've had a theater, I think in Germany has been showing it nonstop since 1977 or, or something like that. Uh, so it's now the longest running theatrical release in movie history. You know, you have people not only cosplaying to go to these things, but actively interacting. You can't go to a horror convention without somebody promoting their local, Rocky Horror Shadow Cast, um, but I do think you know when they say uh, you, you couldn't make this movie today, I think that's true. But I think it's for completely different reasons. Is that 
part of the appeal of the film was at the time it was very transgressive and now it's almost cliche you know in a way <laughs> oh look a man who likes to wear women's underwear again you know um there's it represents a particular point in time and i'm not saying that you know the whole lgbtq community has cleared every hurdle that's out there but it's just not nearly as shocking or provocative as it would have been and was, I'm sure, back in 1975. Um, so, and also, Star Wars sort of turned that whole let's make a modern B science fiction movie thing cool. And Rocky Horror is like, I did it before it was cool. <laughs> so. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's problems with the film today, it, it has to do with. Um, different reasons than than um the transgressions that it was trying to portray in 1975 uh uh as we mentioned offline um there's uh there's uh, some permission permission structures i think going on there that yeah, would be the, 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 yeah the, exactly the no and we'll discuss all that when we get to it um so yeah because you know if i watched this film like four years ago i wouldn't even noticed it but now since it's you know you're, you're we're bombarded with it in the news continuously every day every day every day why do you watch the news well i don't but i i do, <laughs> I do watch uh numerous political podcasts which i won't name uh because uh there's no reason to discuss what political podcasts they are but they they discuss things of of, of the no variety as well those various other things. And so, um, I, 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 yeah, so I, I get my news from alternate sources, put it that way. Um, so, uh, right. So, uh, that's the, the film. So, uh, for folks who are new to the podcast, uh, Oh, first of all, this is February 3rd, 2022. Uh, we are recording this episode for folks who are curious, because sometimes we don't release these episodes, uh, in sequential order. And some of our listeners like Pam, uh, are always curious and asked us to give us the timestamps. So we're, we're doing that right now. Um, but, uh, for other people who are new to the podcast, uh, we don't just review films. We also critique and dissect films. So we go into deep talk about uh, specific scenes, uh, the connotations of uh, what the screenwriter or director are trying to say, things of that nature. So we do spoil films uh, considerably because we aren't just a review podcast. However, we will uh, let you folks know by saying we are throwing up a spoiler alert at this time. And, and uh, at that point, you'll know that we are uh, spoiling the film, even though, again, this is a 40-something-year-old film, 47-year-old film now that it's it's pretty uh, inconsequential. Just in, but just in case you haven't seen the film, uh, it will be one. But before we do discuss um, spoilers, uh, we generally talk about general stuff about uh, Rocky Horror and anything related to it. And Mike, you started with uh, cult films and, and midnight movies and things of that nature. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Mike. I mean, uh, you could argue that, you know, films like um, Night of the Living Dead. Dead. Exactly. Um, a lot of those Italian and European films uh, that came over uh, or even those uh, films that were right on the edge of uh, softcore uh, stuff, you know, uh, films like Cronenberg's early films, you know, all that, the Giallos from Italy and uh, Mario Bava. Barbarella. And all that. So, so, 
Yeah, Barbarella is another perfect example. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, they they they've been around for a long time, um, but this 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 one is is probably one of the more famous of them. And what that means is it's that films that really didn't make money during the afternoon showings for whatever reasons, but uh, people, uh, specifically younger folk, uh, would would want to go see films at the middle of the night, possibly with their significant other. Uh, after they've smoked some doobies and drank a lot of hard liquor and beer, and let's do something more and keep the night going. And they would go see these crazy films, and uh, based off of uh, specifically your de- uh, description of the film, Mike, uh, I would say Rocky Horror Picture Show is most certainly that way. And as you said, Mike, it was intentionally. I think it's completely intentionally to be that crazy film. Well, I mean, it's not. They didn't intend for it to become a cult classic. They wanted to make money right away on the film. Uh, they didn't want it to be a terrible flop at the box office, and then you know have to resort to these you know bizarrely obsessed people. Uh, and by the way, we've been doing a horror podcast for eleven years, so uh, I don't take bizarrely obsessed as a as a, as a pejorative. <laughs> um, but to to give it a second life and have it go for decades and and you know tim curry you know like kind of changing himself to get away from the role of dr frankenfurter um and stuff you know just all sorts of weird shit that happened and you know it, it impacted the performers lives and and obviously the the, the fans lives and, and all that but it's yeah but it was written apparently uh and this is where it's going to be awkward because because there is such a dedicated fan base here you know, um, I'm a fan. I'm not a, I'm not a rabid fan. I am not someone who does the, the shadow cast. Um, I think a lot of people said this movie getting released on home video was, or was going to ruin it back in the eighties the when that was first happening because you lose the fan experience. Oh God. <laughs> but the fan experience kind of hurts your appreciation of the film because there's so much going on. Yes. As we said, well, you and can't the fans that want that experience will still go get that. Experience. Right. Exactly. I, I, a way yeah. I can compare it, which is, which is also going to be dated, uh, on today's audience is remember back like in the nineties when fighting games were really popular. Mm-hmm. And if I, I, what's that? Chun Lee. So Sorry. if I tried to play a game in the arcade, Street Fighter, whatever, you couldn't do it without Chun some Lee! jackass, without some jackass who had been playing the game for four hundred hours, plopping in his quarter and beating the crap out of you. Like, so you can't learn the game because there's always someone there who's been experienced and he ruined it for you. Same kind of thing here. All these people know the movie, but they're ruining it for the people. Sorry to say that are trying to enjoy it or, or to, to just to see what it's about. And they can't see the film. They can only see toilet paper flying at the screen. <laughs> um, so I think actually being on home video helps and helps. And I could enjoy those shadow casts now. I can enjoy the participation because now I know the, what they're, they're responding to. Right. I know what it's supposed to be. It's <laughs> like so I can get the jokes now. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. But people are so knowledgeable about this. And I'm, I'm at best. I'm a casual fan. 
you know, uh, so I'm sure we're going to miss a whole lot here, but we can, we're here to talk about the film itself, you know, and what we like about the film or don't like about the film and not about the shadow cast and not about, you know, the random trivia, which you could all read about on IMDb anyway. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, none of us, uh, here on this podcast are, uh, the religious folk that follow the movie, uh, like say Holly Masak, who chose this film. Uh, not only did she enjoy this film in the state production, but she actually performs and uh, I believe stars as Frank and Fritter um, in a stage production. Uh, and I do know uh, Anthony Thurber of the Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show, which is another podcast on this network, uh, is a huge fan of this movie as well. Um, and, yes, he's, uh, he's, he's a magenta. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but I do know that uh, he and both Holly have participated uh, at the convention for Rocky Horror Picture Show, which prior to COVID, so I don't know what, what's happened in the past two years, but prior to COVID, they had yearly, uh, and it was huge, in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, Holly Masiak uh, would drive across from Illinois, or I believe where she's from, and Anthony, who actually lives three minutes from downtown Providence. Um, we would go to that convention uh, religiously and uh, folks came from everywhere like uh, Holly. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a huge fan base and, you know, I mean, no reason to, to uh, think that's weird because, you know, we have our Trekkies and Star Wars freaks and Marvel and DC freaks and Game of Thrones freaks. And uh, there's even a convention for the discovery of witches, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's fans that love follow the, Grateful Dead or Taylor Swift, so it's there's nothing wrong with it. So and, my question: well, the Taylor Swift thing, there's something wrong with, but everything else is okay. And, and don't forget your sports fanatics and, 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 and all the rest. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Nothing wrong with Taylor Swift. I'm, I'm a Swifty. So either way, uh, anyway, hey, you're a Judas Priest fan, which, <laughs> which is fine too. Which is fine, Eric. It's fine. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so people have fun with this, and there's a big following, um, and people like Holly Masiak are in stage productions, and and I believe she plays Frankenfurter, um, as well, so, she, you know, this is, this is a, a big thing, a fun thing, uh, nothing wrong with it, and... Yeah, I think uh, it's cool that people do that. Yeah, yeah, it's like you said, Eric, you know, that... You, hey, anytime funny. somebody can have fun without causing harm to others, I am for it. Go, go have yeah. fun. Me too. X, X, and, and if I'm creating something, I want people to do stuff like that. I want it to be that kind of experience for them. Right, right. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, even if something bombs completely and people are like confused, that doesn't mean anything because, again, it, everything can be reevaluated. And sure enough, as a midnight movie, this film became. Uh, hugely popular and actually is now part of the National Registry of Important Films uh, by the federal government in Washington, D.C., so, you know, in the Library of Congress and all that stuff. So, so you know, important for cultural reasons or whatever. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yep, I, I do find that a little bizarre, right, for this sort of countercultural indie film to be registered as culturally important and and well, preserved in the film I, I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I, I get it. I just it's I find it a little 
weird that you just had these people sitting around in the library and saying, well, we need to include Oliver in 2001, A Space Odyssey, and Ben-Hur, and Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, I, I see you got to remember, Mike, well, that, that's, as we age, what is considered outrageous by people gets less outrageous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I know. It's the... Uh, you know the grand the, the grandparents who were metalheads kind of thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. Old people you That's look at expecting to, them to want to listen to Sinatra. Right. Exactly. And and, and to be honest, uh, a lot of these these people that choose these films are uh, take themselves and film, to be honest, or art, to be honest, too seriously. And and what one person may consider. Uh, important and intellectual and significant uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it's any more significant or important or intellectual as a film such as Airplane or Rocky Horror Picture Show. So poo-poo to those gin-drinking, cigar-smoking scumbags at the Library of Congress. But <laughs> Lord, also... Man, right? I, wow. I, so, so also, I also 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 I give them uh, a nod and a thumbs up for choosing the film as well to include. <laughs> so I, I, I have mixed feelings over those people. You don't say. Yeah, yeah. Those Bill people, has some issues, folks. <laughs> those people, exactly. Bill has some has been harboring a resentment or two, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I've been disappointed many times because of, of critics and award shows and and people like the Library of Congress where they've uh, said things, done things, or stated things that are ridiculous when years later they suddenly agree with the people that they were poo-pooing. You know, so because, again... Library of Congress, you know, in 1980 would have looked at Rocky Carr picture show and said, this is garbage. And yet in 2017 or whenever it was when they ch chose the film as an important film in, in film history, they suddenly said it's good, you know. So that's all I meant. That's all I meant. You know, as, as Eric says, fuck critics and Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't well, really say that. <laughs> Well, you you say, you say you, Eric, you actually say fuck people, so that's that's good enough. Well, yeah, and they are technically people, so I guess. I yeah, think they're still out. They're organizations, organizations man. Loophole. You can say I said anything about anything because everybody's people. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's uh, Eric, say, Eric, Eric. You know which people? Soylent Green. Soylent Green. <laughs> Swear alert. For a, a film that's uh, the same age as Rocky Horror Picture, <laughs> a show that is set, a movie that was set today in twenty twenty two. It was set yeah. in twenty twenty two. That is true. Yeah. Well, that's hilarious. Know, the, the weirdest thing about the film. Oh, that that is true. That is weird, Mike. And I actually saw it last year at the theaters, Soylent Green. Uh, so that was pretty awesome. Um, My anyway. wife has never seen the movie. I was awesome. yelling, Soylent Green uh, is people. She didn't know what I was talking about. We've gone <laughs> off the rails. Right. Either way, uh, my point is, is that the weird thing about Rocky Horror Picture Show is that Tim Curry and Sue Sarandon look exactly like I always pictured them to. 
and now they're old people. And it's it's depressing. It's funny because so, I actually have an image in my head of Susan Sarandon at a much older age, and I was I was kind of surprised. Like I'd forgotten she was in this movie. So opening Christoph just like Susan Sarandon, which part is she? And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> oh lead, yeah, That's, really, yeah. She, it's pretty awesome, actually. It's pretty awesome. Uh, um, yeah, and, and she was actually in another film a couple of years earlier. Um, unfortunately, I, I can't remember the name. But um, th- this was the film that kind of put her on the map, in a sense. And, mm-hmm. and then she turned herself into a Academy Award-winning actress and uh, uh, whatnot uh, back in the 90s. And, and, and she got 2000s. the role because she just went to visit her friend Tim Curry on the set. And was, she wasn't planning on auditioning. Um, I think she did a great job in the movie. No, oh, I do. I mean, look, Tim Curry has um, is one does a fantastic performance, right? Um, <laughs> and and I and you can't say enough about him. Um, as well as having a good set of lungs and looking pretty good in panties. And uh, well, and Sue and, and Sue Sarandon has has a pretty good set of lungs as well. She always yeah. has. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, but Mike I, was talking about singing, but okay. Yeah. But I was saying, actually, I think if you look at it, I mean, a lot of these actors really do give good performances for what they're being asked to do. One of the things I appreciate on rewatching the film and paying attention to the film is there's things going on with the characters in the background that the actors are doing to convey like relationships between them that don't necessarily get overtly stated, at least not right up, right up in the front in the film. A lot of them are doing a good job of performing while they sing Tim Curry, especially, but, um, you know, so it's just, I, I th- and they all, I'm like, uh, Barry Bostwick who would, uh, get a uh, TV series playing the governor in Benson, uh, in the eighties. Wasn't uh, he also the mayor on spin city? Yes, he was. Yeah. There's something about him that plays, you know, uh, I just, just speaks to your, uh, <laughs> your government bureaucracy types. <laughs> uh, you could certainly see Brad being like on the, the, the town council of Cambridge <laughs> right. or something like that. Right. Um, no, I think they all do. I think, you know, like Richard O'Brien, I think is fantastic as Riff Raff in Columbia. Um, oh, what is her name? Uh, damn, I know it's Patricia Quinn is Magenta. Who's oh, good. Qu- Quinn. Yeah, yeah, Quinn, right. right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Patricia yeah, I, Quinn was one of the witches in Lords of Zoom. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I'm okay. I'm, you know, maybe some of the other, oh, then you get the, um, Sean, I'm forgetting his name too. The uh, criminologist who is the villain from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, <laughs> right? The guy who chose poorly. poorly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 the guy in the wheelchair. The guy in the wheelchair. No, no, no. The criminologist is the the the, the like the the narrator, the guy that they keep cutting back to. Oh, 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 oh that that's the guy from 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 Indiana Jones. Yes. Yeah, the one who chose. Uh, uh, yeah, chose right. that's where poorly. I, I knew where I saw him before. Yeah, the cup. He drank the cup. That, yeah, that uh, that used to bother me, and and then I kind of forgot about it. And then in between my watching, somebody invented the internet. I'm like, where do I know that guy from? 
Right. And 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 IMDb right. allowed me to discover it. Right. Right. A little to the right. Uh-huh. Oh, he says that during during the time warp, uh, the narrator comes in. Every oh, right. And he, yeah. goes, he goes a little into the right or something. Oh, oh, oh okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that, I thought you were saying that, um, to the boss, and I did not understand what was happening. <laughs> gotcha. Well, we were talking about the narrator. I'm trying to think it's mm-hmm. the cool line. right. And well, the thing about the criminology which is funny about that is he starts. He says, it's just a jump to the left. He starts with that, and then as it progresses, yeah, that's, he's getting more into the song. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, one thing that I well, noticed, thought- I, I know that uh, Mike was saying we're not going to get into the whole trivia thing, but one thing that I looked up because I just noticed this while watching the movie is that towards the beginning of the movie, at one point I saw it's just like, you could see Susan Sarandon's breath. I was like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> so I looked it up and apparently there was no heating on the set of this movie at all. Uh, and she actually ended up catching pneumonia. Yeah, she got pneumonia. Uh, Barry Bostwick got a cold. She wins. Yeah, she does. Susan Sarandon. Oh, jeez. Yeah, because she was running around in her underwear for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was freezing. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Um, so, so the film, um, uh, uh, as Mike, you said, it was a box office failure. They they tried to push it, and, and they immediately pulled it when it was a disaster. And then some executive at Fox was smart enough to promote it as a midnight movie. And and it was a brilliant idea because it made a fortune after that. Yep, I have no idea how the royalties worked for it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, well, it's a curious thing because Disney. I I read this that Disney, since they bought out Fox, basically what happened was 20th Century Fox. They what they did was after a film came out and then it played its run and it, it was pulled back. Any theater could always ask for 20th Century Fox films that were old to play. So that's why we got films like Alien and various other films that would just suddenly pop up out of nowhere during, you know, Tuesday nights to, you know, come see Alien again. You know, after 30 years, you can see it again for on Tuesday night. And, you know, people would come and, and go see it. And Rocky Horror was one of those films. And when Disney bought out the 20th Century Fox company, they yanked all the those films, and now theaters can't do that anymore because it's part of their, you know, how with with the cartoon films they would release Beauty and the Beast for like a year, and then they would pull it, and then they're you can't, bastards. You're damn right they are. They're scumbags. And then, you know, you wouldn't be able to purchase it for another four years, and then suddenly it would come out again, and then people would spend top dollar Going again. Back in the vault. Uh, Fuck you, Disney. <laughs> exactly, the vault. That's what they call it. <laughs> so all the Fox films, like Alien, now are all part of the vault. However, the one film that they re- re- have did not put in the vault because of 
the midnight movie appeal and the necessity of people wanting to see it was Rocky Horror. So theaters could still choose that because if they put that film in the vault, then there would be no more midnight movies of this I, film. I'm just I'm and, just waiting for them to announce that that Tim Curry is a Disney princess. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh, Tim Curry at the age of sixty-eight, I think it was. Uh, he unfortunately had a stroke. Um, so that's why we don't see him in fil- films anymore. Uh, though he does conventions still, um, it, and he has to obviously be in a wheelchair and, and he has a speech impediment, but. Um, the, the only reason, yeah, we don't see him anymore in theater or films is, is specifically because of, um, the medical condition that occurred because of, um, his unfortunate stroke. Um, but you know, getting he, old sucks. Getting old sucks. Getting old sucks. We all go through it. If we're lucky, <laughs> it's a hell of a prize to win for not dying. Um, <laughs> And you'll be continued, and and at some point, you know, the world will just keep making you suffer for not dying. Um, but he seems to be, from what I understand, in good spirits. He does do some conventions here and there. Um, he did a, a signing for uh, for actually for Scares of Care. We were doing a uh, uh, a, a special print. I think it was limited two hundred or two hundred fifty pieces um, that he autographed for us. So that was nice. But you know he he seems did, to be a did, good guy. Did he actually come to the convention? He hasn't come to the convention. I think partly because of I'm sure the wheelchair and the travel thing. But he's also I do know he has done other conventions, and he seems to be good spirits. When they when Fox did the uh, the live Rocky Horror, uh, quote unquote live Rocky Horror on their uh, on Fox TV, uh, they had him playing. I think the criminologist. Um, it, it wasn't the greatest performance ever, but it was nice to see him. You know, was, they got that connection back to him. Mm-hmm. Right. But like I said, right. I, I, I always remember. I, I, even know. I always remember after. Uh, oh, God. People were bitching, complaining after uh, Kirk Douglas had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And then they gave him an honorary award at the Oscars. I don't think it was that year, but a couple years later after he had recovered and he hadn't fully recovered. And there were all these fucking assholes complaining about how depressing it was to see Kirk Douglas come out. You know, this guy who had played Spartacus, right? It was the strapping <laughs> young man. And then, and the same thing happened with Dick Clark of Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve. He had a stroke. And then he comes back and he's got a speech impediment and he's not, doesn't sound right. People are like bitching, complaining. It's like, you know, fuck you. These are all, this is you in 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. This could be mm-hmm. your grandparents. I'm knocking on wood right now because I don't want that to be. Well, I I don't want, I well, none of us want it to be there. But... <laughs> no, my, uh, my mother had several strokes before she ultimately passed away. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's a tough thing. Um, because the person who has had the stroke wants to be able to do everything just like they used to be able to do it. And they, and they just physically can't. And it's, yeah, it can, it can be kind of a bummer, but like (laughs) think about what kind of asshole you got to be to sit around and complain about how much someone else's life sucks. 
it's and it you makes know. you uncomfortable because they didn't die. <laughs> right. You know, fuck you. They survived or, or hide themselves in, in an apartment building and never be seen again. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't want to see them again. And it's like no, no, they're still alive. They're still humans. They still have um, importance and, and privileges and and whatnot. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're yeah. not Soylent Green yet. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know that, that's just typical youngsters yeah. in general. You know where where it's they say, oh, people, 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 people suck. Old people shouldn't drive, and it's like I'll never say that because one day we're all going to be old too, and we don't want. Well, to I'll say that, and accept that there will be a day when I can't drive. <laughs> and but you you know what I, you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about though, right? <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. I know? do know what you're so, talking about, but <laughs> there are there is a point when we need to accept our natural limitations. Yeah, oh yeah, my 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 father should not have been driving about five years before he didn't. Yeah, same same with my father and my grandfather, my my mother's father. They, yeah, they, they yeah, I would concur. And both of them, it was because of um, dementia. So yeah, all right, that's it, no more. Um, but um, everybody gets old, and 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 whatnot, and these things do happen, unfortunately. Um. So, uh, I guess we can get into uh, various points about the film. Uh, Somebody's listening yeah, to this now, right now going, you know, I thought this was going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I think it, it had to be, be spoken of because, again, Tim Curry um, is, was an important actor for many years and has been at many conventions even after um, – his medical condition and also for the fact that, um, you know, he's basically the same age as, as Sue Sarandon and, and various other folk and that were in this film. And, and, you know, he quote unquote kind of disappeared from movie cinema while others haven't. So it, it was something, I guess, you know, the elephant in the room type of thing that should have just brought up. And mm-hmm. it's my fault. I brought it up. I ruined it for everybody. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's face it though. The man is a legend. Yeah. Uh, whether you'd seen Rocky he Horror or not, he's just yeah. been so much stuff over the years. That's, that's and in true. legend, in legend, he, he looks awesome and does a great job in it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, here's the guy who plays, he plays Rocky Horror. Uh, well, not Rocky Horror. That's the Frankenfurter. He plays, Darkness and Legend. He plays the um, the uh, the Butler in Clue, right? Clue. He, and now part of me got the he admits he got the Butler body to get away oh, from. Oh, he, played, Frank he, played, he played Pennywise. He played Pennywise, right? That's right. So that's right. I mean, he's he's done a good job. He never broke through as like the A list actor, but. You know, he was a character actor for a lot of his career, but he has a very dedicated fan base because he did a lot of things that nerds really love. Oh, yeah. Any, anybody uh, that was alive between 1975 to now, well, well let me rephrase, 1975 to 19, to, to 2000, to 2000, let's go to 2000, knew and knows of Tim Curry. Yeah. Everybody knows him. You know, basically he was, even though, as Mike mentioned, he, he never became an A-lister in a sense. Um, he was a, a face and a name that was everywhere, uh, even if he wasn't, you know, uh, uh, Robert De Niro or Jack Nicholson. So, 
and he, he worked he a lot, right? Yeah. So that yeah. tells you not only was he talented, but if you're working a lot and you're not like the guy putting butts in the seat, well, then that probably means right. that you are a professional and you do your job well and people like working with you. Because otherwise, yeah. you'll stop getting phone calls like, you know, certain people. <laughs> you know what? I would consider his career similar to, uh, even though he did not win an Academy Award, uh, similar to Christopher Walken. Where everybody knows him. Everybody considered him an awesome actor. Everybody uh, loved him. But for whatever reason, when people cast films, they weren't necessarily the lead, except for maybe a short period of like four years. And so, so that's why I would consider him like a Christopher Walken, even though Christopher Walken, you could consider it a little bigger. Now I picture Christopher Walken dressed up as Frankenfurter. <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, no, I will say. I will say about Christopher Walken. I will say about I will say about Christopher Walken is that before being an actor, he was a song and dance man. Mm -hmm. He could dance. I don't know if I ever heard him sing. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was uh, so just similar to Tim Curry, who in this film here showed that he had more talents than just acting. Um, That that was another reason why I, I compared the two. Well, he was in the he was in the Broadway show, not the Broadway show. The so I think this really is probably what his break was was Rocky Horror, because he because he was in the stage production when they turned made into a film. Richard O'Brien turned down an offer of a larger budget to have uh, rock stars like Mick Jagger and Cher and David Bowie being in the film, so he could bring in his original cast. He wanted the original cast to do it, and that cost him a, a, a sizable chunk of money. Um, and then, of course, he does this movie, and the rest is, is history, as we've discussed. Um, so he, yeah, that is true. It, 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 so this, this could have been Mick Jagger playing this role, and that would have been a very weird and different film. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so oh, so yeah. I did not I did not know Tim Curry was actually part of the original production, so, well, because unlike some of the other people who O'Brien brought in that didn't break out, Tim Curry did break out uh, right. after this this film it's, production. It's uh, uh, it's it's Riff Raff, uh, Magenta, Columbia, and and uh, Frankenfurter were all part of the original cast. Right, Columbia is is the, um, the tap dancer. The, the groupie, yeah, yeah, right. She's right, labeled with the, with groupie. The, um, right, with somehow. Oh, right. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say how she's got the the mouse ears for a good section of the movie. She's wearing Mickey Mouse ears, and I think they must just have it on backwards or remove the logo because I always wondered how Disney didn't sue them over that. That all right. belonged to Disney. <laughs> Well, now they belong to Disney, so they'll probably go back and digitally add the Mickey Mouse logo on the hat. <laughs> that that is true. This film is now owned by Disney. You're absolutely right, Mike. Yes. Um. Now, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the songs. Obviously, uh, the probably the most famous song of the film is uh, "Would I Be Right to Say Time Warp." Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
And I always find it funny because you hear it played, uh, you know, on Halloween soundtracks, right? When someone's like playing music that's associated with Halloween and there's absolutely nothing Halloween yes. about that song. <laughs> right. right? It's, it's just, it's more of, right. it's a science fiction thing. It's not, there's nothing creepy about it. There's nothing scary or spooky about it. It's just a weird, fun party song. It's just the association with this film that, that gives it that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's without doubt. That's right. the, the most familiar song. The biggest song. Now, it's um, intentional. The film, uh, based off of what I read, um, was specifically not just to be a spin or a parody of old horror films such as Hammer and Universal, but it was also supposed to be a spin on 1950s science fiction films as well. And that's why songs like Time Warp are part of the film and Aliens are part of the film as well. The Grays! Yeah, yeah there was no, I, I, I was disappointed. There was no grace. But um, so, yeah, so, so the film, even though, but the film is always portrayed as a horror parody because obviously the word horror is in the title and there's a vampire or Frankenfooter or whatever you want to call um, uh, Tim Carey's character. And so the science fiction element of the film, which I forgot having not seen the film since I was since like 27 years ago until the other night um, is also as much of a parody of old science fiction films as it is horror films. And I thought that was interesting and, and actually kind of neat. Well, you I have like, to remember the, the, I mean the, the horror films, the science fiction films of the fifties were often monster films. They were often had horror elements to them. They had some sort of monster or killer robot or something going on. Um, and you know, they set the stage with uh science fiction double feature at the beginning of the, the film, right? Which is references, uh, day of the Triffids and the day the earth stood still. And when worlds collide and, uh, night of the demon, um, and I'm, and King Kong, right. It just references all these classic films in the opening lyrics. Right. And I, personally, that's probably right. my favorite song out of the group. Um, and I like a lot of the songs in the show. I think a lot of them are really catchy and earwormy. And I don't know what's the one that's going to be going through my head tonight. Probably science fiction double feature. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but I, I mean, but if that's weird, that's sort of like, you know, these nostalgia movies we get now where it's like, oh, look, they did the thing, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's like, they did the thing that I remember. And this is, oh, look, he mentioned Faye Ray and King Kong. I remember that. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it just kind of hits all those. But I also like the music for the music itself. But then being a science fiction nerd, I also love the, the theme of it. Um, you know, that's good. I think, you know, damn it, Janet is fun. Um, and... I- I personally like Sweet Transvestite just because Tim Curry's performance is so great. I yeah. mean, he's, he's belting it out, and it's fantastic. And I, I will say with my until my dying breath that that is one of the greatest introductions of a movie villain in movie history. It's pretty sweet. When, when yeah. he, yeah, just he turns around and you get this Dracula-looking dude with a perm, but with the cloak. And, you know, he's just talking and he's so expressive and the makeup helps a lot. Like get it his really eyes does. to pop, but he already has mm-hmm. expressive eyes. 
and then just throws the cloak open, and he's there for the world to see. Uh-huh. You know, and that's just such a brilliant and terrific, like, and shocking reveal for the first time, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, and again, I, like, I was, when I first saw this, I think it was probably, like, 18. And, I mean, I certainly understood the idea of women's lingerie and that there were men who wore women's underwear. But, um, you know, it was just sort of uh, a weird, you know, it's, you, were, you know, it was a lot more innocent. You know, in, in <laughs> that's what I to just have it like right there, kind of in your face. You know, it just sort of would have been shocking, and especially again for that time, it would have been a big deal. And then just singing the song out loud, proudly proclaiming, right? We talk about you know, pride and I'm a sweet transvestite transsexual from Transylvania, which I don't think is a, a thing people would hide. But that certainly, you know, is going to be a revelation, and I can see why it was so embraced by that community. Mm-hmm. This film is an important film to the LGBTQ community because it portrays folks of that sexual orientation as uh, obviously a villain or or, or an antihero or even a tragic figure, but um, as a important character in an important film right you know it's so it was groundbreaking and and you know that's also part of it but it's not just a an lgbtq film there are actually some elements that you can under say argue undermine the story the fact that franklin furter is really kind of a villain in this you could argue is one of them, but he's never portrayed as a villain because of his sexuality he's right. portrayed as a villain because he's an obnoxious asshole and a cannibal and a murderer <laughs> um but the song touch like uh 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 touch a touch a touch me right which is all about yeah. Susan Sarandon's sexual awakening and this is still very early in that sexual revolution the, you know and this part of the film yeah and well that she's having this this um she has this moment has- with Frankenfurter Right. And then she has the song with Rocky and turns Rocky, because at this point, Rocky has only been intimate with Frankenfurter. Uh, but she says a line which was, uh, oh, God, what is it? I've tasted blood and I want more. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's obviously a vampire metaphor, you know, because vampires have always had this sexual metaphor to them. Um, and here they actually take the vampire. Instead, they use the vampire as a metaphor for sex, <laughs> you know, which was if they co-opted some of the other and they put a very definite label on it in that in that song. That's because. Right. So she was the innocent, sweet, shy girl. And now she explodes. And you can see how she's probably not going after this movie's over to settle down with Brad, which is right. all she dreamed about 12 hours earlier. It's also an awakening for. Uh, a female or or woman in general at that point in time to be the aggressor, which right. was not necessarily the norm uh, in 1975. So um, that was was uh, I guess I guess liberating I guess for for many people at the time. I, I believe me, I, I wish most women were like that with me. When I was dating him. <laughs> to be and, uh, that, and that is a stand that, folks, just so you know, that is purely out of principle. 
Is there's no self interest in that whatsoever? Oh no. Sure. <laughs> I, I had a few. Um, I had a few, had a few uh, women that were like that, which uh, was appreciated to the point where. Right, but, but, uh, yes. But but yeah yeah so that that was um um. I guess an important important song uh, for for the film for many reasons, not just because it was a good song or a good performances by um, Sue Sarandon and um, uh, I forget the guy's name Harnwick or, or something, uh, but also um, for culturally as well, culturally as well. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's important, now, but it was it was making a statement. Now let me ask you guys about something. Yeah, that's what I, that's what theoretically, we decided to do this as a meatloaf tribute. We haven't talked about him at all yet. Um, I got very confused. It's what's for dinner. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great to serve your family dinners like these? They don't take ages to make, or days, or even hours. In fact, you can easily make any one of these great tasting meals in just 30 minutes or less. So all you have to decide now is how to spend all that time you just saved. (laughs) We're sure you'll think of something. Beef, it's what's for dinner. I got very confused. Beef, it's what's for dinner. <laughs> I got very confused about the part of the story involving him. Am I yeah. understanding that he was just like some random dude who happened on the place and so they killed him? I think. Well, they took out his brain. They took out his Yeah, that, that, that Rocky, not Rocky, Frankenfurter got infatuated with him. Like Columbia says a thing. That how he threw away Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So they were a a thing at some point. He kill. He took half his brain. Somehow that did not kill him. <laughs> um, <laughs> lock him in a freezer for reasons. That didn't kill him either. With with a motorcycle. Because <laughs> why not? And a saxophone. Because <laughs> uh, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see. This is the thing that I always confused. One of the things that confused me watching the film the first time, and still confused me a little to this day, is they're they are celebrating the birth of Rocky, and then just like, "Hey, Meatloaf, I'm going to sing a '50s rock and roll song." Yeah, it, it seemed weird to me too. That it it was like, yeah, it was strange. Well, that part. And, and, and I guess they did add some stuff to this movie just for runtime because uh, apparently the original stage production was 40 minutes long. Um, so they had to pet it a little bit, but still that, that part in particular, I was just like, now what's going yeah, that was, on here? <laughs> but that was always part of it. That was the part Meatloaf had played in the Los Angeles production. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and, and actually that part and Professor Scott was, were usually played by the same actor because they're supposed to be related. And apparently Meatloaf was very disappointed he didn't get to play Professor Scott, which would have been hmm. Interesting or doctors, right? Well, and it's weird because it goes from that the birthday to that, and then to Frankenfurter using the pickaxe on him, <laughs> right? And at no point do they, and, and I think this is my like, there's nothing that happens to show why, like, he doesn't accidentally bump into a defrost button, <laughs> like, right? Which, which, which then we go, oh, okay, and this is what it is, and then here's like the dirty secret is here's this guy that. Columbia had started hooking up with. She's become infected. She was one of his toys that Frankenfurter tossed away. And Eddie was one of the toys he tossed away. And they found some love together. 
but Frankenfurter probably was a little bit jealous, number one, and then, uh, you know, but also needed the brain because he was horny and he wanted his his Rocky, which is funny to me that they named the guy Rocky and this is the year that this was released in seventy five and wasn't Rocky released in seventy six? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, it's yeah. So it, so it, so it presages both Rocky and Star Wars, right? It's just it's just funny to me. Um, it like gets it just was just just like a minute and a half ahead of its time. Oh, but yeah. So it's but yeah. So that that's the thing that they kind of backfill in the story later. There's the the song Eddie, song at the dinner table, that fills in a lot of what happened with Eddie that you, and you have to kind of piece it together that he had gone missing with the family. Right. I, I did feel it was the, the, the part of the film that fit the least and was out of character for a few of the characters as well. But also I was surprised how, because I had forgotten, um, meatloaf, uh, part in the film, since I hadn't seen the film for like 27 years, as I said, how small of a role it was. It was truly mm-hmm. just a one scene film and, uh, you know, piece for him. And that was it. Yeah. But, um, but let's not forget the, the cultural significance of the words, hot patootie, <laughs> my soul. <laughs> I really love that rock and roll. <laughs> With that film history was forever changed. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, and I think one of the reasons people really associate his name as one of the big names in this movie is just because of his later fame as a musician. He became right. a name, like Meatloaf became a name and a, and a radio star. So people are like, yeah. yeah, he's in Rocky Horror. What was that after his uh, Bad Out of Hell? Was that after this film? Oh, yeah. Bad Out of Hell was, I, I think, 77. Okay, there you go. Yeah, all right. Interesting. Interesting. All right. And yeah, so, it's yeah, weird yeah. When, you, when you look at this film, because you have Susan Sarandon and Meatloaf, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Susan Sarandon may be the bigger name, and then Meatloaf is probably number two, <laughs> and then Tim Curry, and then Harry Bostwick, right? I mean, that's. Um, right. Those are. Uh, Charles Gray was. And, a, and then the and 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 narrator, because he was an established actor. And, uh, Jones. Right. Um, but so those are four big names that came out of like nothing, you know, it came out of this little indie film about the sweet transvestite from planet Transylvania. So it's, it's so they great job casting guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's, and that's the thing is weird about the film too, is that it wasn't an indie true indie film because it was a Fox film. Um, and yeah, it, like you said, Mike, uh, you know, uh, four people made a huge careers and five, if you want to include the narrator guy, uh, had great careers after, after the film. And, and then two of them, uh, especially Sue Sarandon, who won Academy Award and, and Meatloaf, who, who had one of the greatest selling albums of all time, became huge stars, you know, and then Tim Curry, uh, had a career that, that lasted until basically, uh, his, his stroke where, where everybody knew him he was i mean so yeah it's amazing how this little film that intentionally had less money than it could have because o'brien wanted to bring in his own actors 
actually created stars that came from this movie. So, excellent point, Mike. Excellent point. So, it's weird, too, because, you, you, you know, I could see it doing stage and, and stuff because it was, a, you know, stage production and all that. But it makes no sense that someone at Fox, at least in 1975, even though it was, you know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll and disco and all that crap back in those days, that someone at Fox said, this would make an excellent film to release to 3,000 theaters across the United States <laughs> in 1975. It, it still just doesn't make any sense that someone thought that, but thank God they did because it became an important film and, and well-loved by many, many folks. Well, what is the 70s, right? So um, there was some real wacky shit going on in the 70s. There was a lot of drugs and a lot of offices. Yeah. You know? And this was basically the, the, the 60s with any sense of uh, or facade of a political cause thrown away. It was just, you know what? We like the free love, but fuck the protesting for peace shit. We got rid of Nixon. Orgies for everybody. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> uh, I could name a number of things that, that went wrong in the 70s after that. But it, it Oh, yeah, to, I know. But that, that, thing, that was sarcasm. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. I, I'm just... Uh, I, I know it's, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that that, that was that... Spread. Now, not obvi- obviously, you know, we grew up in the... Well, we, we all grew up in the 70s somewhat. Uh, yeah. I, I actually, uh, Eric, Eric was the, the youngest of us, but me, Barrett and you, Mike, most certainly remember the seventies quite well, quite well. Yeah. So like my parents weren't out doing the, the key party scene, you know, uh, you know, you know, that was a, that was a big thing where, um, you would just drop your keys in a bowl at the party and then somebody picks them up and whoever's key you picked up was the one you went home with. <laughs> uh, don't yeah. tell me your parents did that. No, I'm saying they didn't. You know, so I'm oh, saying not everybody talking. was doing it, but there were there were a lot of people doing shit like that. Uh, I remember. I mean, I don't. I didn't know it at the time, but I certainly know of the history now of the two relief pitchers for the Yankees who had who had a wife swap, and that oh, came out, okay. and that was like on the the pages of the papers. And so it was all sorts of stuff like that. Was was uh? Was who, big, who are the Yankee pitchers? I got I, I, I don't remember. They were. Now, now he wants to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be honest, to be honest, I don't want to know. Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, and you read, and so that's why, like, when you read stories now about what some of these guys did back then, it's like eh, it was, it was a crazy time. Yeah, yeah you just have to look at the clothes that were worn to know that. Oh yeah, God! I, yeah, all you had to do is read a John Updike novel from the seventies. Yeah, and you, you got you, you, that's 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 the seventies. You know, right so it was the Studio Fifty Four era. Um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was, you know. It was. It really was. It was sex, drugs, and disco. Right. That was the seventies. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, yeah. getting back to so, so, does anyone have like? I guess I said my favorite song out of the group was science fiction. Double. Oh, fine, fine. Time, time warp by far. By far. Time warp. That, that's the reason why did, I went and bought the the CD. It was like five years after seeing the film, and then I heard the the song on the radio, and I said, oh. Oh, that's an awesome song, and I asked someone about it. And I said, oh, that's an awesome song. And they told me, oh, yeah, that's from, from Rocky Horror Picture Show. I said, oh, really? All right, so I, I, went, I saw that film, but I don't remember. So, so I bought the, the CD, and uh, I played it for a good 
two months in my car back in the day. And I still have the CD somewhere. And um, so that by far is my favorite song. Yeah. And then and when I saw it live, not live, but again, two nights ago, and actually who sang what parts, it's like, that's awesome. And so I, I played that like three or four times after the film ended, rewatched it. Yeah. I, th- I think I even texted you, Paris, saying, yeah, I'm rewatching the time yep. scene again. Yeah. Okay. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So that's my song. So, Mike, you had the, the, the side so one or whatever. Yeah. Mine was the time warp. What about you, Barrett? I don't really have a particular favorite. I just like the music in it in general. I think it's just fun. You are the politician, aren't you? Touch it, touch it, touch me it is. That's going to be your favorite one now. That sounds good. I like that song. That's good. <laughs> that was, that I get was good great. imagery from because, that. Because, dude, you get to see someone squeezing uh, her, uh, Sue Sarandon's boobs, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, With permission. better can it get? Yeah, with, with consent. <laughs> with consent unlike the prior scenes you know yeah 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 so so that, that was a good that was a good song just for for, for that scene. but anyway uh eric what about yourself my friend uh, sweet transvestite that's right you did say that yeah yeah, yeah indeed indeed um that's probably the most well done song i think in the movie the well and i just like it because the tib curry's singing is is so on point it's impressive. that's what i mean yeah, yeah. he's just so amazing in it that it makes that yeah. song so much stronger yeah no no matter how shocking that the, you know how he looks in that scene um depending on your perspective of course um his charisma in that that scene and singing that song is, is yeah absolutely yeah he's magnetic <laughs> yep yep yeah no, no pun intended magenta no, the, the magenta and magnetic aren't the same. Sorry. No, no, lame. magenta's colorful. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was that was a lame, lame joke. <laughs> uh, but uh, bonus points for trying, though. Yeah, I tried. I tried. Um, but effort. yeah, a for effort. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I forgot that uh, O'Brien was the was the guy that was was singing in. Um, Time warp. I didn't. I forgot that it was his voice. Yeah. And yeah. he does the science fiction double feature. Um, yeah. Was, but, but it's uh, Patricia Quinn's lips. That's right. That's their right. lip sync. Yeah. Yeah. And I forgot. Um, um, not 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 Patricia Quinn, but the um, the other one. Uh, what's her name? Uh, the the one that played the groupie. What's her name again? L. What is it? Uh, we get the cast list here because I always forget her name. Columbia, Columbia, Columbia. Nell right, Campbell. Columbia, yeah, right. Okay, the character, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She, Nell Campbell. Nell uh, Campbell I, is the actress. Yeah, I, I forgot she she did the 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 squeaky voice in in that song too. So it was kind of it's like oh yeah 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 and it all came back yeah because I had seen it in the film in 27 years ago and then I forgot the film pretty much. Except for the the scene when when the people ran the two students ran up and spun the the, the screen that was pretty cool, <laughs> and then yeah that was awesome and then um uh, I played the song over and over for like two months in the car you know my CD player and then uh, but I had forgotten who sang what and who did what and so it was kind of cool two days ago to to revisit it all and see it all in person so. And it's like, oh yeah, Tim Carey didn't even sing in that song. That's pretty awesome. 
awesome as in ironic. <laughs> um, what was your favorite character, Mike? I don't know why I've always had this weird affection for Riff Raff. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's pretty awesome. Um, with, with an awesome hairdo at the end. <laughs> I did like his final form in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. For me, um, I I, I want to say um, Tim Curry's character, but I'm going to go with Sue Sarandon because uh, she was easy on the eyes. Easy on. She, she's always been easy on the eyes, anyway. But, but either way, yes. Uh, either one, either one. They they were they were both good. Uh, what about you, Ark? I mean, just as a character, it's got to be Frankenfurter, but uh, I, I enjoy uh, Magenta and how she's got the like bride of Frankenstein hair going on. That is awesome. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Oh, and I and I love, like I said, if you watch the film and you watch those her and her brother Riff Raff with <laughs> incest is best um, throughout the <laughs> film, you see them making eyes at each other. You see him giving signals to each other, like don't. Because you know, at the end they betray him, and apparently is they're they're working on that as the whole film is playing out, um, and it's just kind of a neat way that they work that into the film, into background performances that really you're not going to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think yeah, that's a nice yeah. It is, um, yeah. and you can also see it with uh, with Columbia, where you can kind of see that even though she's sort of been spurned and betrayed by, uh, by, by Frankenfurter, she still like is showing like adoration and, and like fan eyes at him, which you don't really get with the other two. So it's little things like that, right. that are nice that they've put that bit of character into it when they don't have to. Right, right, right. And, and she plays it as if, um, she's being used by Riff Raff and Magenta without even knowing. it. And I like that too. That was kind of cool. Uh, Barrett, what about you? Um, Riff Raff and Frankenfurter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember when I rewatched it two nights ago that Riff Raff was the character that came back. So like, oh yeah, this guy was awesome. Yeah, I, I mean he's that, he's that, just so awesome at the end. I mean, his character's just yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> and and he's the guy that um, as we discussed when we uh, did uh, Cinema a la Carte, Mike, uh, that actor O'Brien uh, was in um, Flash Gordon. Uh. <laughs> he, he was Roger, one of Roger Daltrey's. Uh, one of us. Exactly. He was in there. You remember Mike? You remember? Did we lose Mike? I think we lost Mike. <laughs> yep, we lost Mike. There he, he is. is. He came back. Ah. That was a slight. Mike, uh, we were talking. We were talking about how uh, O'Brien was actually in Flash Gordon, and we talked about. That yes, he was. Yes, that's right. It is a background character, plays one of the forest men, uh, who who's uh, an aide to Prince Baron, uh, also known as James Bond, Timothy Dalton. Um, and so he actually gets to be in one of those science fiction the, you know, films, uh, which, of course, right, he movies that he's, he's kind of because Flash Gordon was there in silver underwear. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So he actually uh, got to be in a, a film that he was like parroting uh, only six years earlier. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I believe he got 
co-writing credits for pretty much every song in the, the movie. Richard O'Brien. Well, I mean, it's his show. Right? Yes. He wrote the show. That is actually uh, right. Just, just, I guess, apparently because he was bored, which is weird. Uh, it was like he, he was doing it to keep himself busy. And so he said, let me take all the things I like. Horror movies, science fiction films, and 50s rock and roll. And, and women's underwear, because I believe he is. Uh, he, he is not. He is not. To my knowledge, he's, he's married. He's married to a, a a woman. No, that's not what I was going with. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say I, that I, he's, uh, a different sexual orientation. I'm sorry. Well, Go he. On. I think he considers himself intersexed. That may be true. That may be true. I mean, I, I, non-binary or or something like that, you know along those lines. I don't know exactly which one it was. It's been a while since I looked him up on on uh, on Wikipedia. Okay. Well, he's been married three times, all to those of the opposite gender than himself. What, no matter if he's considered himself right, but you don't have to be attracted to 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 men to be a transsexual or whatever. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, he could be like, like, yeah. What's that guy? Uh, Ed Wood. That's true. He, he could or woman. I don't. I have no idea what, what Richard O'Brien's personal life's like, but but he, whether he was saying on this conversation. But, but, <laughs> let, let me let me say it. Whether or not he liked women's lingerie, I can say that most men like women's lingerie for what uh, maybe different reasons. But yeah, it says yeah. he described Ever. himself as transgender or of a third gender. Mm. So, oh. so okay. he considers himself of an other gender. Either either way. Um, we are, I, I would consider myself a, a fan of women lingerie as well, but uh, preferably on women. So, so it, there's not, there, he's not weird at all. He, he likes women lingerie. That's all right. That's good. Everybody likes women's lingerie. I think we do, right? Everybody here? <laughs> Everyone? Yes, I love it. All right, yeah. I'm not saying anything odd by saying we, we like looking at women in... Yeah. Phil, it doesn't matter. Anybody could like whatever they want. Exactly. That's that is true. true. Wear what you true. want to wear. Be who you want to be. Not... Don't right. dream it. Be it. <laughs> I just don't I just don't want to try and put on stockings because it just looks like a humongous pain. It's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. So he whatever whatever that means, um, non-binary. Um, that, yeah, you, I, I guess you're right, Mike. Um, he also is in English. <laughs> English. Holy hell! <laughs> why? Why? Could, oh, holy hell! It's it's all it's all rubbish. <laughs> Did you forget to take your riddle today, Phil. <laughs> uh, dude, it's Rocky Horror. What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not talking. We're not. Talking I want about some of what you're drinking. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I, I did have two beers. At, well, that's not true. I had one beer and two mules, Kentucky mules, <laughs> at, at trivia. Mm-hmm. But but either way, we're talking Rocky Horror here. We're not talking about uh, Godfather or Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Anyway, not that there's anything wrong with Rocky Horror. It's just that it is a comedy. So it's supposed to make you like laugh and. Jolly and silly. <laughs> well, so what do you is. guys know about? So, like you mentioned, the spinning of the world—that's that's one of the, the the routines in the in the shadows the play or the shadow cast, rather, or the uh, the fan interaction. 
that was that was pretty awesome. I mean, I don't. I mean, I haven't been to one in a long, long time. Uh, I was never really my thing, and and I've well, kind of wanted to do it at some of the conventions, but it was always something that kind of interrupted. Um. So yeah, what was no, uh, it, yeah, that, that it's a bit night and we're and we're fifty. That, that's yeah, enough. Wow. Say, All right, I gotta go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't have to be up until ten in the morning on most conventions, so I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I forget what I was going to say. Well, so, like, so like, what do you know? Like, some of the other the the other bits, right? Uh, for people well, we who have never price, been. Because right? I'm going to assume not everybody listening to this has been to one before. Well, they should go and find out. Just like I did. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Go and find yeah. out just like we've all done. <laughs> Honestly, 27 years ago, the, the only two I remembered was the rice and the spinning of the world. Um, but I do now remember the, 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 the I guess, the, the water guns, because mm-hmm. you mentioned it, but I don't even remember what scene that was used in. Well, you spray water big. guns during the raining. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you throw. I think you throw toast at the, the rice party. during the wedding. Rice during the wedding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Toast. I forgot the toast. Um, and I think you also while you, you while you use the water for the rain, I think you also have like people holding up the lighters to represent like because they've got the the light under the up at Frankenstein's place. Um, right. So now, now that would be phone uh, cell phone lights. Right, so you can understand, folks, how this may not be the a thing that every theater wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> because, but a lot of them now, they just like they will they give out little kits so that they can avoid making too much of a mess. When Doctor Scott first appears um, in his wheelchair, breaking through the wall, and uh, I guess this was an improvised line, and Brad shouts out, "Great, Scott!" <laughs> You're supposed to roll throw rolls of Scott's toilet paper up oh, on stage. Oh, is that what yeah. that's about? Okay. Yeah. That's what that's about. Um and this just started apparently somebody like at this these the midnight screenings as they started to grow and people just kept going and going and going and going. Just I guess some woman I think started it just started talking back to the screen and others kept doing, they just did to entertain themselves because they'd all seen the movie before they knew each other by this point. Cause it all kept going to the same show. There are only a handful of them. And then eventually it started turning into a ritual. And like, you know, the one that always sticks out in my mind is um, there's the two scenes in the bedroom where uh, Frank Furter sleeps with the uh, Janet the two and problems. Right. And, They'll call out the fact, and the the, the call out for that is is when they switch to the new set, new scene. All they do is change the light bulb. So they say, same set, different light. What a cheap movie! That's like the, one of the things that they shout out during this. So it's almost like doing uh, what's that? Uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand in some ways. Um, they have inter- they they speak back and forth to the thing when they when they do the scene at the end. Where they're doing Brad, Janet, Rocky. And you look at Rocky, and Rocky is mute. Oh, that was right. And and so and, and then I the love that scene. Just, and so the and then the audience, all all just goes when, when when you get to Rocky. <laughs> so that's the kind of things. It's silliness, but it does. I'm not going to say it interferes with your enjoyment of the film, 
it could interfere with your comprehension of the film. Yes. Yeah, because when I saw it with my mother, with, you know, uh, 50 college students, and just staring at, at, at cleavage the whole night, I, I wasn't obviously really be able to pay attention to the film. But when I watched it two nights ago, it's like, oh, yeah, all right, I understand the film perfectly now. And I definitely would have been able to pay attention to my mom if I was in that setting. <laughs> I just, well, I to be honest, mother. my mother was my mother was probably you know probably thinking in her head. I wish Phil would go talk to one of these girls. But <laughs> oh, I just I don't know. I just couldn't. I, I just have a hard time fathoming sitting next to mom during touch a touch a touch a touch. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> well, well. You know, it's not like that. The you know. Uh, was it like films hadn't had those type of scenes in them since 1975, and this was 1994 when I watched the film with her. So at that point, it's a little different. And also, we both went in not knowing anything about the film, and we were like, "What the hell's going on here? Why are people dressed in in underwear?" <laughs> and, and I'm like, "I don't care, ma. Look at that. There's a big boobs right there, and and big ass." <laughs> I'm I'm right here, and I'm not talking about the men, Mike. So don't. And she was that, so that's proud. Uh, <laughs> honey, he likes boobs. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, dude, dude. I had that moment when I was like, when I was like fourteen. When my I, I went went to the mall, and I bought some posters of Marilyn Monroe and Cindy Crawford, <laughs> and I put them, I had I put them up Cindy on the Crawford poster. Oh, you did too, yeah. yeah. Yep. And I put them up. Oh, and the Barbie twins, I had those too. And I put them all up, and my mother's, you know, just vacuuming the room for whatever, you know, it was time to do it. And then, and she didn't even know they were there. And then she suddenly looked up, saw the posters, and went running out of the room. Ed, my father's name. Ed, Ed, Phil likes girls. And she was all excited <laughs> because <laughs> because she had, because because. Because my brother was such a wild man, I hid everything to, for my parents, so they weren't sure. Does he like girls? Is he gay? Is he, what, what? And, and then when it suddenly I came home, there was like all these posters. It was the most exciting moment of my parents' life. <laughs> oh my god, it's wonderful! Yeah, so it was kind of funny. I have plenty of stories like that. Um, but yeah, that Cindy Crawford poster was awesome, Eric. You know what I'm talking about. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Have you seen her lately? She still looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, I just saw pictures of Christy Brickley. She's sixty-eight. She's still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. Sophie, Sophia Loren and Jane uh, and uh, Raquel Welch are like seven, eighty or something. They're still pretty good looking. So Sue Sarandon is seventy-five, and she's still good looking. So yeah, it, it's 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 true. It's true. Yeah, yeah money helps a lot. I remember Jane, Jane Fonda doing her, you know, because I was a huge Jane Fonda fan as a kid, and she was doing her aerobics exercises, and, and then when it came out that all her work was, okay, sure, she does, became muscular and, you know, whatever, but she had a liposuction and plastic surgery and mm -hmm. all this stuff, and the error was pissed. It's like, God damn you, you liar. So yeah, well, I, like Dolly Parton said, it, it's 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 what is it? Oh, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. 
that's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So hey, 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 if you got the money, you can do whatever you want with it. Uh, yep. And so if Jane Fonda and Dolly Parton, by the way, which are seven degrees, six degrees to themselves, because they were both in nine to five, um, they want to do plastic surgery. Good for them. Anyway, uh, back to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, what else do we have? I mean, I'm I'm done. I'll say this: my my main criticism of the film for me is that I'm not a big fan of the ending. Um, it's well, so you know why it, it it doesn't fit because it's a depressing ending. Because I read about it, why it was basically trying to say that people are insignificant. You know, basically the aliens are like Cthulhu, and we're just things that they don't care about. And and I, I'm talking about the very last scene when you know when, when we see them laying in the dirt. In so the it doesn't fit with the, smoke. the rest of the film. But you, yeah. But I'm thinking you're talking about maybe the death of Frankenfurter, Mike. Go on. And no, explain. I'm just talking like I thought. Well, I just. I mean, you go from um, happy, silly to serious. Yeah, from happy, silly, the songs are more somber. You're also now being expected to have this sort of magically get this sympathy for Frankenfurter, who's been the villain up to that point. Yeah. And they don't, and Tim Curry gives it his all, but it's also hard to forget. We just saw him put a, a pickaxe through Meatloaf's head, right? You know, um, well, it was implied. Um, so that's, it's just a weird thing. And like out of nowhere, Riff Raff and Magenta come in, in this outfit that would have been a little bit too far out for the 60s Star Trek, you know, it's just, um, and everybody it's, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it feels slower. It feels more downbeat when everything was much more energetic in the first half, not even the first half, the first three quarters. It just feels like a weird ending. Do this, and it is such a it is a downer of an ending. Um, you know where they talk about uh, the, the criminologist talks about the, you know the the world you know covered in you know insects called the human race. You know, yeah, it's it's kind of oof. you know you see Brad and Janet and Scott kind of crawling through the wreckage um, at the end, and yeah, it's like there's no real resolution of what happens with their lives from that point on. Um, you know, what lesson have they learned after having been sexually assaulted in their, you know, in their beds? Um, yeah, it's just, it's just an interesting thing. It's such a, it's such a weirdly ambiguous ending. You know, the killing of Frankenfurter was the villain is, is really is a sad and depressing moment. Yeah. Because we um, find out there's even worse villains. Worse villains. Yeah. He's not the ultimate villain. He's just a villain. <laughs> so. So, so that's just, I guess, probably my one critique of the film, criticism of the film, um, is that I'm, I've never been a big fan of that ending because it just, I just much prefer the beginning, the first oh hour, forty five minutes of the film. Well, that that's a fair point, Mike, because uh, the film up until that point is is kind of like silly fun. Uh, entertaining craziness, and then that last twenty minutes or so, and especially the last five minutes, um, is like you said, very somber, 
and and whatnot. So I, I think that's a fair criticism, Mike. Absolutely. Because I, did, I have to admit, I did enjoy the film much more than the last 20 minutes or 15 minutes when, when they're on stage um, doing that, uh, the me, me uh, the, what do you call those people that don't speak? Mime, mime dance and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And, and then Frankenfurter dying and the, the, the heroes um, be, being thrown into the dirt, you know, because one, one's there, one hero is there for his nephew who was taken from him. Another uh, is uh, awoken, meaning is the Susaritan character. And then, uh, you know, I don't know what about Boswick's character, but either way, all three of them are discarded at the end. And, um, which is you know, fine. I, and I actually like because, Columbia's because, character you know, he's a lot. making a commentary of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, she gets killed, you know. Well, because she is a character that was in love with with Frank and then she and she was in love with Eddie. Yeah. They both die, she dies. Yeah. Um she is kind of a tragic character. She is sort of a, a sympathetic character. She's kind of been used by Riff Raff and Magenta. Oh, uh, certainly. And certainly also used by um Frankenfurter. By Frankenfurter, yeah. Yeah. So that, that yeah yeah so that, yeah so a lot of tragedy at the end. The movie is turns into a tragedy from a farce on horror and science fictions of the past. It turns into an actual commentary and tr- tragedy on people and society in general. So you, yeah, you say right. it's a it's a farce on science fiction. I do think it's fair to say that yeah, it has having fun with the tropes and the, yep. the, the stilted dialogue and all the rest that. Or, or with that, but I, you, this is not a thing like scary movie that's making fun of those things, right? It's it's sure, sure. it's it's uh, it's it's having it's sort of gentle teasing, you know, rather than yeah, yeah. It's like Young Frankenstein, yeah, which is the same uh, period, matter of fact. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's it's very depressing. For, for films that are. Forty something years old. That's that's just insane, dude. Mm. And it's not the films that are old. <laughs> <laughs> it's the True. viewers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you remember when I, I remember when I was like, say, ten years old, and I saw. And I was watching uh, Taxi Driver for the eleventh time. No, no I'm, not talking <laughs> about, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking about a film before I was born. So I, I watch Planet of the Apes. For the first time, and I'm like, "Wow, that's an old film. It was before I was born. That's crazy." And now, that's what everybody's saying about uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and Young Frankenstein and Taxi Driver <laughs> and all those films. It's like, "Damn, that's crazy. It's nuts." I, I, dude, I, I remember watching Midnight Cowboy. You're just in denial, dude. You're old. Just deal with it. <laughs> You know, you're absolutely right, Eric. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm, talking, I, I'm right behind you. <laughs> I was, I was, I, I was. Look, I was talking to a student today, and he told me his. I guess he was talking to his brother. He didn't know who Elvis was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
What's a Hitchcock? What's a Hitchcock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's depressing, dude. Yeah. Actually, it's not depressing at all. It's disgusting. There's nothing wrong with getting old. No, it happens to everybody. Yeah. Nobody gets out of life alive, Phil. Well, and and you know that's what the funny thing is, is is that you know you look back and you say, yeah, well, you know, you know, you all these important books and authors and movies now, and then you look back a hundred years ago, what are the important books then? And there's only like five that I remembered. So it's like, wow, everything's forgotten. <laughs> right, and that's it. If you go back, you know, if you think you, if we sit down, how many artists, musical artists, could we come up with that we know of in the last? 70 years let's not play that game a lot though right i mean yes. hundreds yeah yeah, yeah. thousands yeah, sure and if you go down rewind the clock from like the 1600s how many musicians are still known from like the from the 17th century you got like bach and hayden <laughs> you know? right right and then exactly. then then you're pushing it right maybe, it's like maybe 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 tell them if you want to throw right in. so you'd start running into these things, right? It's, you know, all look at all, go to your local bookstore and look at all the new books that are out by all these writers and all these authors. And everybody's going to remember Stephen King. <laughs> you know, it's just right, right, right. right. Stephen and King, Tom Clancy, Jacqueline, Suzanne, you know, whatever it's, um, yeah, yeah right. uh, JK Rowling. That's about it. JK Rowling. Right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and who knows, maybe even like, you know, maybe in, in a hundred years, you know, Harry Potter will still be huge. Maybe it'll just be this weird thing that your great great grandparents were into that nobody gives a shit about anymore. That's true. That's true. It's it's just a thing. Every generation has to have their own stuff. Well, the cool thing about uh, Rocky Horror is that it was the stuff for one generation, and then uh, Tim Curry managed to be in stuff for a couple more generations after that. Yes, he was. Yeah, there's that's an internet meme where it says, "I judge people by how they know Tim Curry." <laughs> right? How they first that's a fair him. point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. But I think my first was it. That's where I heard uh, about Tim Curry. It was legend for me. Yeah, for, yeah, mine would yeah, be legend. Too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, first I noticed that, that one. Yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I missed that. I, I, you know, what's funny is that me and my mother went to see Dragon Slayer. Oh yeah, to get at the theater, and that was awesome. And my mother knew immediately that that it was a woman, that 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 boy is actually a woman. And then of course there's the, the scene when they're you see the silhouettes in the in the the pond. And I go, see, I told you, Phil, it's a woman. But either way, uh, we saw that film, but we didn't see the other fantasy films. We didn't see Legend. We didn't see Willow. So yeah, I don't know why. It's kind of weird. Legend Man, not... wasn't a big hit, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't Dragon, think so either. Dragon, I think Dragon Slayer. Huge. That was, a Disney, I, that was a Disney film, so they pushed it back. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, but, but that was during Disney's dark period when it didn't, right? You know, always right. do well. You know, that was like you know during the Black Cauldron era, and um, right, and and yet Black Cauldron and Dragon Slayer were awesome films, and even Black, even even the Black Hole was a great film. I don't care what anybody says; those were great films. I have to rewatch that. Yeah, Black, um, that <clears throat> film. And 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 the other two I just mentioned, Black Cauldron and Dragon Slayer, were all good films. And yeah, because it was the dark period, they try to pretend it doesn't exist. And do you know what the best part of Dragon Slayer was? 
when the dragon, uh, no. you see the dragon for the first time, and he starts singing Sweet yes. Transvestite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what, you know what's sad about that film. That's too, Mike's hint to get you back one, on track, Phil. Well, I just want to say this: the sad thing about that film was um, the, the, the quote-unquote boy that was actually a girl. Uh, that woman actually passed away very young of cancer, which was unfortunate. That actress. Um, either way, well, um, there's a good, a nice, upbeat way to end the podcast. <laughs> and then they yeah, all died. Indeed. And they all died. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, except for Tim Curry, who anyway. had a stroke and is sitting in a wheelchair at home right now, going, "I used to be Frankenfurter," <laughs> and, and and Pennywise. Uh, anyway, oh god, it's a terrible thing. Uh, strokes, horrible thing. Uh, it's it's a terrible thing. Anyway, um, all right. So I think we're pretty much wrapping up uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. And once again, we want to thank uh, Holly Masiak uh, for uh, her. Patreon contributions, which is the reason why this film was was uh, chosen. It was randomly chosen as a Patreon pick that she had asked our podcast to um, review or, or at least discuss. And uh, sure enough, uh, it was picked, and we did it tonight uh, specifically because it was perfect timing because of uh, unfortunate passing of uh, Meatloaf. Um, so, I, if I do... you would like to have us talk about a movie after the passing of one of your favorite stars. <laughs> Please support us on Patreon. <laughs> or, or, just, or, or just any film, actually. Um, uh, because we do have a, a couple other films. Uh, Ride, uh, which was a Michelle Barkley pick. Uh, we do have Something Wicked This Way Come, which I think maybe a Hey, Christian Michelle, Rock if pick. you're still out there, send us an email. We haven't heard you for you in like a couple years. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of dropped off Facebook intentionally, which is unfortunate. Uh, or, or maybe fortunate, because Facebook is toxic. Uh, oh, and, well, it's the people on Facebook that are toxic. Although I, and then speaking of news, that I guess they had like a massive, not I mean massive, like their largest ever loss of customers in the last quarter or whatever. Yeah, yeah that, the, port. the stock dropped like $150 in the past week. It lost $87 today, as a matter of fact. Because everybody so. went over to Wordle or something. Uh, TikTok. <laughs> they, they, claim Wordle. they claim it's TikTok. But, uh, Wordle is awesome. Screw Wordle. Uh, and, and also, we do have uh, Heather. TikTok. We have Heather. I don't like TikTok either. <laughs> so fuck them both. <laughs> uh, we do have Heather's as well as a, as a future Patreon pick uh, coming up as well from uh, David Farley. Um I'm looking forward to that one. I, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Which one? So, Heathers. Um, oh, Heathers. Heathers. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, something wicked this way comes. I love Jason Robots. He's like, he was like one of yep. my favorite actors when I was a kid. Um, so I'll be excited to see that. Again, though, that's part of Disney's dark period. And that's another great film by Disney that they just kind of ignore and pretend it doesn't exist. Because Disney had all these great films, but like Mike said, it was a dark Welcome period. Welcome to the Disney cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then ride. Ride is uh, readily available, so that one uh, will will probably be done soon as well. So ride and Heather's for sure. Something wicked this way come right now is not available anywhere, uh, which is unfortunate. I do have it on disc somewhere in, in a box, though. So, in a box. Um, what's in the box? What's in the box? Human head. Dude, I, I I predicted. I even I told. Oh um, my god! I said I said it was either the head. Did you fucking the, end the podcast already? Or it was or it was the fetus. It was one of the two. Anyway, we can add the podcast. Yeah. I think so, it was the script for the movie. 
yes, yes, David Fincher. David, I don't know if he wrote, but either way, it's interesting. it was Kevin anyway, Spacey's uh, career. Oh, <laughs> oh, he was awesome in that film. Um, either way, um, wait, wait, we could get into our uh, final thoughts on this film here. Uh, we're pretty close to two hours, so we'll probably just wrap it up. Um, so uh, before we do, uh, Eric, uh, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scansity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you got this one. Excellent. And uh, Mike, me, you, and Eric uh, do another podcast um, discussing some films or something. What's that all about? And what's the name of it? Uh, that is the Cinema a la Carte Podcast by RKO that uh, we use to discuss our um our films that we want to watch, talk about other than a recent horror film. So we have talked about dramas like Starlet and Hostels, and we've done action films like Jack Reacher and thrillers like Collateral and uh, science fiction like Forbidden Planet and uh, Flash Gordon uh, and even an animated film Inside Out. So... We've we've done a, a a lot of different stuff. Basically, whatever we're in the mood to talk about at the moment. Um, I don't remember what the next one's going to be, but oh, I remember now. Uh, I do remember the next one uh, as a Phil favorite and a Phil pick. Uh, and it comes out every now and then when we have time to squeeze one in. That's right, and we actually do have uh, one more uh, Patreon that was picked. I keep on forgetting is uh, the Weirwolf film Bad Moon, starring. Uh, Mario Hemingway, that one we got to do too. That that'll be an exciting one for Eric. Yeah, we got to start knocking else. some of these off, and because and we're we're doing things like Giant, and you know we have these Patreon picks we really need to get to. Indeed, indeed, and we'll, we'll probably get into another one uh, in, in uh, before well, the end of March. Caught up in the next couple of months because the first quarter of the year always sucks as far as news releases go. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So so maybe in two weeks from now we'll, we'll do we'll do another one. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's a good idea. We'll do uh, uh, Bad Moon, Ride, or um, Heathers, because those three are already available everywhere. Um, also, uh, Barrett, me, you, Kevin Letts, and Sean Fox are doing a, a podcast about a television show. A discovery of witches, demons, and vampires. We go over each episode as it comes out every week. And we are going to be on episode uh, five coming up. Of, of the television series? A discovery of witches. There you go, and that's on Shutter. Uh, also uh, starring uh, the great Teresa Palmer and uh, Matthew Good, as a matter of fact, as well. Um, also, uh, there's another podcast too called Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, which is a podcast that uh, myself and, and Barrett usually do with rotating um, uh, part-time co-hosts, such as Johnny, Kevin Letts, uh, Amy Rain. Um, uh, Sean Fox, um, and we basically talk about uh, various genre films, indie horror films. Uh, um, during LGBTQ month, we do uh, lesbian art house films. We do interview episodes and such as well, and people can find uh, that everywhere as well. Um, all right, so I think we can get into our final uh, uh, feelings about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's start with you, Eric. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, this is, I can appreciate the effort and, uh, the art behind this production. Uh, it's not my personal taste. I'm probably not going to revisit it for a while. 
Um, but I can certainly understand why it has the following that it does. More to the pink and lacy stuff. Huh? Never mind. All right. Uh, Barrett, what about yourself? Yeah, I like the film. It's fun. I like the music a lot. Um, it's again, and like Eric said, it's not really my taste, so I probably won't see it again for a long, long time, if ever. But I'm glad I saw it again and uh, enjoyed talking about it. All right, sounds good. Uh, for me, yeah, I'm not a musical fan, nor am I a horror comedy fan. Um, but when I rewatched this film two nights ago, I had an absolute blast uh, uh, just sitting there watching it alone with my dog passed out sleeping. Uh, but I, I, I was not horrified or bored or wishing I was elsewhere. I was actually enjoying the film and, and give it a big thumbs up. Uh, Mike. Yeah, I, I like this film a lot and it's, uh, I like it more probably as time goes by. Uh, I actually learned to appreciate it probably even more so after the rather bad Fox TV version, uh, because I was also able to see how well staged some of the stuff was here compared to that one. Uh, the performances are fantastic all around, and it's weird to say that for a B film, which usually doesn't get any respect for things like performances. Um, and of course, you just have Tim Curry is the the big thing. Is just an absolute revelation in this. Uh, it's easy to see why he became a success. And so, yeah, I certainly recommend it. And I also recommend if you are interested in doing something fun, it is not a bad thing to give a try. That if you can get a, a a view a uh, a audience participation showing of Rocky Horror at some point. It's it's something to do at least once in your life. Indeed, indeed, and I plan to do that again after seeing it the other night. Um, now I'll appreciate all of it much more. All right, so uh, once again, this was a Rocky Horror Picture Show. It was a Patreon pick by uh, one of our listeners, Holly Masiak, who also um, does her own podcast. I think still, I forget the name of it. I believe it's beyond the screams. Beyond the screams, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and they're they're up to close to last time I checked because I, I don't I don't listen to many uh, entertainment podcasts. So I, I uh, don't listen to any entertainment podcasts except for uh, political and fantasy football stuff and fantasy baseball stuff. Um, but um, they were up to 67 at the last time I checked or pretty close to it. So uh, pretty, pretty uh, prominent podcast and people should check that out as well. Uh, it's a good podcast. Um, if you enjoy, uh, I guess, um, eclectic horror topics, uh, um, they, they talk about uh, very different things than other horror podcasts. So uh, with, the horror element as the theme. So, uh, it's, they do different. So if you're sick and tired of the same old, same old, um, uh, beyond the screams is definitely one you should check out. It's very esoteric. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, 1975, uh, written by Richard O'Brien, uh, directed by Jim Sharman, starring, uh, the great Tim Curry, the great Susan Sarandon. And, uh, even, even if she, did say some silly things recently about police officers and um, meatloaf, meatloaf, among others. Uh, so that's uh, a Patreon pick. Greatly appreciated. Uh, anyone else who wants to give Patreon uh, support, please do so. We, we do appreciate it. Um, and I guess that's pretty much it. So uh, with all that stated, Eric, 
Uh, why don't you lead us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's, let's talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to keep control. Jump to the left. With your hands on your hips. You can't see me. No, not at all. In another dimension. With voyeuristic intention. Well secluded. I see all. With a bit of a mind flip. You're into the time slip. And nothing can ever be the same. You'll be startled sensation. Like you're under Thank you.